I would say somewhere between 12 months to 24 months of your retirement income need that's not being met by those guaranteed income sources should be set aside. Ideally, I would say 12 months worth is a good number, but we do have quite a bit of conservative uh, retirees that we work with and they feel a little bit more comfortable having closer to two years setting cash. So they're not going to be as affected by that market volatility. Welcome to the All Things Retirement Podcast with certified financial planner, Anthony Alpha. Here's your host, Ben George. Welcome in to All Things Retirement. Anthony, a quick question for you before we hop into the show. You ever heard, I know you've heard the song, All About the Benjamins. Is I that, have. Is that uh, on your playlist by chance? It's it's not on my playlist. Okay. Uh. The reason why I ask is because that's kind of the, the way we're going with this conversation today. It's about cash. You know, obviously the Benjamins refer to the $100 bill, but cash, you know, we love to have cash on hand. We'd like to have a nice little healthy bank account, but can cash be a bad thing? We're kind of explore the idea of having maybe too much cash in some situations where it's good and where it might not be so beneficial for your retirement plan. That'll be our main topic today. And we'll also get into the mailbag again, answer a question. But I want to lead things off this episode with a quick headline and an article that I read recently and I want to get your thoughts because this kind of idea has been around floating around out there and you know how realistic is it for people retiring now and CNBC published an article I'm not sure you saw it but it was about the retirement age of 65 and how that could potentially become a thing of the past you know some other countries are already starting to kind of move to higher ages will we head that direction as well and are you already seeing that with some of your clients in terms of retiring at a later age there's a couple things there, right? I, th- I think that some of the countries raising the age there has something to do more with the interests of people living a lot longer and them not really expecting it in their pension systems or social security type of systems. And in this low interest rate environment where pensions are being invested in you know safe type of assets, they're not getting that higher expected rate of return that they pretty much probably have projected. So I think from a government standpoint, their job is to make sure that that pension system or social security system is going to stay afloat. And that's their job. And we should be expecting those changes to come down uh, the way for our own social security system. At some point, the longer we continue to um, kick the can down the road, the the bigger the changes are going to be required. But, you know, with that said, I would you know, probably be up in arms if I'm somebody that's in one of those other countries you had mentioned and they're upset about it, uh, which the article references. If I'm 62 and all of a sudden they, you know, they move the field gold line back or that scoring line back to 65 and you're three years away, I would say that it, you know, should be a little bit more of a gradual change. I think that would be fair for somebody who's 50, 40 years old, who's got some time before they're going to retire and that people that are you know very close to re- uh, retirement age already should have very minimal you know changes that they're going to have to to deal with uh with regards though i think on the ways of retirement planning for people i think that if there's one of the biggest ways to make an impact or f- quote unquote fix somebody's retirement plan is having them delay their retirement because you're not you're now stopping really burning the candle on both ends because you're shortening their retirement period and you're also extending the years that they're working 
which could be you know generating income, growing their investment portfolio, or perhaps increasing their social security and pension. You know, however, though, you know, oftentimes, you know, that's not an answer we're even able to suggest to a client because they're mentally they're completely done with work and, and they're there to try to figure out how do they make it work going forward. And, you know, for some people, they don't need to work any longer and they're just working because they enjoy that work. It gives them a sense of purpose or they just want to get out of the house. And other people do walk in and just say, you know, I'm done or, or worse yet, that job is being taken away from them because the job is maybe moved overseas or it's now automated um, or even some cases, people are stopping to work for health reasons. That's one of the more common ones where they're either take, need to take care of themselves or need to take care of, of a loved one. So I think that that you know article kind of touches on two things: one, government changes, which we should be expecting down the road at some point with Social Security, and then obviously the individual. Okay, that makes sense. Have you ever thought about your retirement age? Do you? Do you anticipate working into uh, your late 60s, early 70s, or are you hoping to to finish up early on? You know, I haven't really put that much thought into it at this point. Okay. Um, I enough. think that one of the things with people uh, near their 40s, at least they hear a lot about, is people wanting to, I think, be financially independent as maybe young as possible right. so that they can kind of, you know, figure out their own adventure kind of going forward in terms of continuing to work and what that might look like in the future. Okay. Well, that's good to know. So that's uh, something to keep an eye on a trend that's happening around the world right now. And, uh, you know, we can might... post that article too on the, yeah, on we'll, uh, we'll make a note of that. We'll put it in the show notes as well. So wherever you're listening to this podcast, check out the show notes. You will see a link to that CNBC article. If you want to read more about that trend uh, going around the country and, you know, obviously here at home as well. Let's move into our main topic today, and that's all about the Benjamins, as I referenced to start the show. Uh, cash, is it good or bad? You know, we all want a healthy bank account, and having a good amount of dollars within easy grasp is helpful in case of an emergency or, you know, if we're going out and buying a, you know, a, a purchase, a significant size purchase where we don't want to have to liquidate assets from one of our accounts. But is it counterproductive to have too much cash on hand? That's what we want to explore today and uh, figure out what kind of role that cash plays in our financial and our retirement planning. So the first thing I want to hit on with this conversation is we all like having the cash, right? I mean, I mentioned that and it's true. I mean, we all like the safety and the security of having that money there. So what are some of the possible uses of cash that make it a good idea to have that much cash on hand? Love that cash. Everyone loves it. Love uh, I it. think that that's one of the areas uh, that we spend a good amount of time talking about people's financial position earlier on in our new relationships with people as we're developing their financial plans. And some of the ones that come to mind as to purposes for it is certainly having an emergency account, such as like a savings account. And a good rule of thumb is somewhere in that six to 12 months of your income needed is kind of a good rule of thumb. And I think that we also, especially with people closer to retirement who might be trying to upgrade the house one last time, get to some of those renovations that they never were able to get to, that you know, having them think through a, a list of those mid-size expenses that they could potentially be coming up before they retire or within the next five years that we should maybe add to a list and maybe put that money aside for them. 
also want to think about, are you planning to relocate? Are you going to move from you know, Philadelphia down to the South where you might need to utilize some cash so that you don't have to be contingent on your own home sale at that time. I have a client who just is in that situation and moving to Georgia and they're not uh, wanting to put their house up on the market yet. And so they're looking at some of the, what it would cost to purchase a home down there. And so we're going to leave additional cash on the side, knowing at some point that they'll sell their house up here and that'll get reinvested. And um, I think that's you know some of the main ones that I would, I would be thinking about. And the, uh, the last one is really for retirees getting ready to, to turn their income streams on. And one of the things that we want to understand is what is your income gap? And for anybody who doesn't know what that term means, it would basically be your income gap is the amount that is not being met by your guaranteed income sources. So guaranteed income sources being your social security, your pension, annuity income, and if you're continuing to work part-time in retirement. And so if if your retirement goal is not going to be totally met by your guaranteed income sources, it's going to be met by your non-guaranteed income sources like your stocks, bonds, mutual fund accounts. And so taking the money out on a monthly or yearly basis to have it set aside to meet your retirement income goals is a pretty smart thing to do. So I would say somewhere between 12 months to 24 months of your retirement income need that's not being met by those guaranteed income sources should be set aside. Ideally, I would say 12 months worth is a good number, but we do have quite a bit of conservative uh, retirees that we work with and they feel a little bit more comfortable having closer to two years setting cash. So they're not going to be as affected by that market volatility going forward. Okay. Well, on the other side of that then, what is what are some of the reasons why it's counterproductive to have too much cash on hand? Well, I think when you look at a a 20 to 30 year retirement period and you model that in the case of people who have a large amount of cash, when you model that over, there's a remarkable difference in somebody who maintains a cash, just as we talked about a, a second ago, with the minimal amount with regards to emergency and you know, mid-sized expenses coming up and the retirement income need versus having an abundance in there and their projected future in terms of how much money that they'll have after a 20, 30-year period is is dramatically different because that cash really acts as a drag on your investments. And, and today's environment in this low interest rate environment, this is, you know, really highlights how much or lack of upside there is by keeping money in more than what you need in a savings account. You know, even, even CDs and money markets to some extent as well. You already kind of told us why, you know, uh, or what you're kind of, what you tell and advise clients in terms of how much to keep on hand. But what do you find is like the main reasons why people end up with so much cash? Is it more of a comfort thing, a safety thing, or do people have specific reasons for having so much cash on hand rather than trying to invest that cash? Uh, yeah, I think that really it comes down to a sense of you know feeling good from an emotional standpoint, feeling secure. And I think that that security is the main reason why people feel that way. And I think that it's 
can be a way for people to keep money in the cash if they want to. And that really depends on the person's you know, financial resources. So if you've done a really good job of planning and setting aside money in other areas, well, then you can be a little less efficient with your overall financial planning. From my, you know, maybe mathematical standpoint, you might say, well, why not, you know, invest it in because it's a drag. But there's the emotional side of, of se- the security feeling and cash in the bank account is a sense of security. And if you've done a really good job on your planning, then maybe you can get away with having more than what you ideally should have in cash. With that said, though, I would probably guess that somewhere in the 90% range you know, are trying to maximize their spending and really can't afford to have a, such a large drag in the cash account. Okay. Well, you know, you kind of touched on it a little bit, but in terms of if somebody wants to, you, you talk somebody into saying, okay, you, we need to invest this cash somewhere, but somebody still has this fear and a little bit of pushback, give you a little bit of pushback in terms of, hey, you know, look, I don't want to have a heart attack following the market every day, watching my money go up one day, then watching it drop down the next. I don't want to deal with that as I'm in retirement or getting close to retirement. So what are some ways or a way or two that somebody can invest a little bit more efficiently without having to have that worry every day? I think you just touched on it in your question. And people, a lot of times, only think the only alternative is if it's not in cash, it needs to be in the stock market. And that's oftentimes, even with people who call themselves conservative investors will come in and their portfolio is in all stocks and the rest of their money is in cash. But there's a lot in between those two extremes. And that I would say those are the two extremes, right? Cash, such as like a, a savings account, checking money market and you know a short-term CD versus a stock account. But there's a lot of things that can work in between it. Yeah, actually, it brings up uh, a client in uh, November who recently sold their business at about $2 million. And so they were basically going to start retirement this year, January 1st. And they were plans were to what they were already an existing client. And so they came in, they told me you know, the great news. And their plan was to put 1.5 million into a money market and CD that was going to earn around one and a half percent to 2%. And the rest was going to go in their savings account about $500,000. So, you know, certainly we took that information, ran a financial analysis to, you know, go over that with them. These are some of my most conservative clients that I have, which I'm, I was certainly aware of. And, you know, if it was my money and I was in their situation, knowing about all the other stuff that they have, they could have easily just put this into a diversified portfolio between stocks and bonds uh, to take care of, you know, their long-term goals and income goals today. But I knew that that was not going to be an option because they told me that right away. And so what we did is one, showed them what it currently would look like if they did what their plan was. And then number two, we showed a couple different alternatives. And so what we ended up utilizing were a fixed annuity. And it's a structured investment that basically shifts some of that market risk away from the client and to an insurance company. And the income that they were going to try to derive from that 1.5 million, we were able to get 
that same income with $750,000 utilizing that annuity, which is a much more efficient way because now we just basically freed up $750,000 that they could do something else with that it, they didn't need that total amount to provide that, the one point five to provide that same income. And then the, the second thing uh, that we went through, again, not what I would have necessarily done for myself, but again, knowing how conservative they were, uh, we took some of the money that was going to be in a savings account and put that into an indexed annuity, which basically is an investment that allowed them to take 50% of the market upside potential with a 100% downside protection, which, which means that they still have the same principal protection that they're getting in their savings account. But being able to invest in the market and uh, like the S&P 500 and get 50% of that upside certainly gives them a lot better opportunity to get some growth on that money that is just sitting in savings. So, you know, those were some of the things that we had them do. And, and the other portion of that 750 that was left over from using the fixed annuity, we, we put that into a blended stock portfolio. So instead of it just being all the way just stocks, it was 50% bonds and 50% stocks, which was much more of a balanced approach. So that was somebody that we just made those changes to that came to mind. And those are some alternative methods or options for people to utilize who are conservative and don't really want to take that much market risk. That's cool. And a balanced approach is important. And look, cash can be good and bad, as we've discussed, uh, but it's not an all or nothing type thing. Just as you pointed out, I think that's where some of us get confused. Well, either I'm going to keep in cash and uh, be conservative or I'm going to get in the stock market and have all that risk. Well, no, there's there's definitely other things you can do with your money uh, to have a more uh, structured and conservative approach. And that's why you reach out to someone like Anthony, an advisor that can work with you to set up a plan. So, you know, I recommend setting up that appointment with Anthony over at Cardinal Wealth Group and trying to figure out what to do with that cash if you have too much or if you feel like it's not invested properly. And that's exactly what he's there to help you with. And that's just one part of your entire retirement plan that they will help you with along the way as well. Let's wrap things up with a mailbag question before we uh, call this show a wrap. I got one come in from Cliff. uh, And this is what he asked, Anthony. He asked, I told myself that once I hit a million dollars in my portfolio, that I'd move a lot of that money to cash. Hey, there's cash again. But now that I'm at a million, I'm thinking I can get to about 1.2 million before I make that move. What do you think? Well, I'm I'm assuming that you're near retirement as the show's called All Things Retirement. So I'm going to guess that you're closer to retirement. Uh, I would say it just depends on what you need that money to do for you. It's really what needs to determine how it should be invested. And you may be able to move it all there or move a portion of it there. And, and you might uh, not be able to, I, I think at the end of the day, having a retirement plan projecting how that money w- is going to be used along with any other sources that you may have. And, you know, it might turn out that you, you can't really do that because when you're looking at a 20, 30 year period, putting it into cash, it might run out depending on how much income you're trying to derive from and. So at the end of the day, I think it's got to go back to what your overall goal and, and plan is and what resources you have and uh, roadblocks potentially in front of you to determine what's the best use of that. Well, thanks for that question, Cliff. And if you have any questions that you want answered by Anthony, you can always 
Connect online at cardinalwg.com. You can also call their office 609-605-2808, and they can help you out uh, with any questions you have. But also, we will be happy to answer them on this show as well to try to help out uh, all the listeners along the way. So it's been a good conversation. It is all about the Benjamins. We want to have a healthy bank account, but it's important to manage that cash appropriately. So thanks for helping us do that today, Anthony. Thank you so much for having me. Again, make sure you subscribe to All Things Retirement, wherever you're listening to podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, whatever it is. You can listen to every episode there, but also subscribe and have it delivered to you. And every episode also will be online at cardinalwg.com. So you can also check them out there as well the show as the show notes uh, where we'll place uh, some other information, links that we talk about on the show, and much more is all there on the website at cardinalwg.com. So for Anthony, I'm Ben. Thanks for being a part of this episode. And we will talk to you on the next time on All Things Retirement. information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.